Online communities are nothing new, but if that online community is at the heart of your business, you need to look after your people. The fact is, if you've built a strong following and you provide a community for them, you're probably going to be a busy person already. Now, you wouldn't invite people to dinner and then not look after them, and smart people know that a strong online community needs a strong online community manager. This week's guest is Diana Tower, and she lives and breathes hiring and supporting killer community managers. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe in your player so you don't miss new episodes, and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. Don't forget to join our Facebook community. Just visit the shortcut URL amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders, and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along, and let's meet Diana. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Diana Tower to the podcast. Diana, do you want to start by maybe just introducing who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Sure thing. So I am originally Canadian, um, but I live in the south of Spain with my husband and my son, and I am a community strategist, and I specialize in actually hiring and training unicorn community managers for established memberships. Define unicorn community managers because and also community manager and also yeah. online community there's <laughs> yeah, a lot to unpack there let's go basic because this is so funny that you asked that because even in a community yesterday yeah i did a, a guest spot i was live in this community and somebody asked me like what's a community manager and so for me it's so obvious and i think oh maybe people don't understand what it is and so um First of all, the misconception is it's not a social media manager, okay? So what people think is people confuse community with, say, like their, maybe like their email list or the people they have on Instagram or, or this sort of thing. Like that's like a buzzword now. It's like, oh, engage with your community, you know, in social media. And that is one way of looking at it. But the way that I deal with community is it's a, you know, it's a group of people that are in a space, typically in my case online, that are sharing like a, the same struggle or they have the same goal and they're working towards solving that or working towards you know achieving that goal together so it's like kind of like if you think of it like real life your community like I live on the street and my neighbors and the people that are sort of in your life with you and they kind of have the same sort of situations going on it's kind of the same thing um, so that's community at least the way that I'm talking about it so a community manager is a person that is specifically dedicated to facilitating that group. So it could be a Facebook group, it could be say Mighty Networks or any platform, it could even be like a forum. Um, but it's a person that's specifically there to facilitate connection and sort of, you know, make sure that the space is safe for everybody to be there. And so this is the thing. So a lot of people just think, oh, like a community manager is somebody who's really empathetic and really engaging and like a cheerleader. And that's one piece of it. That's like the, the tip of the iceberg. Um, but the way that I look at it, so a community manager holistically, there's, there's all these different aspects that you can look at. So for example, like when I'm assessing somebody to hire as a community manager, I actually look at nine different points. Okay, and so this, um, maybe we'll talk about that in a second. I don't want to get <laughs> too pulled into that. Um, but I'm assessing everything from, you know, how they write, how they're thinking, how they make people feel in the community, um, how they foster connections between members, uh, the type of content they're writing, how they enforce guidelines, making sure people, you know, feel welcome and encouraged and helping them, you know, achieve their goals there's so many different things and then there's like admin stuff behind the scenes so maybe it's like um for example with facebook like you have to like let people in and get people out um you know posting things scheduling posts um and also just collecting information so for example if you're the owner of a membership maybe you don't have the time to be in the community but you still want to be you know cheering people on when they have a win or some success or you know if somebody is having a rough time maybe you can sprinkle in some love for that person but you don't have time to be scrolling for hours every day imagine you have i don't know 500 5000 people in this membership and so that's where you can lean on your community manager to go in and sort of gather that information and create, you know, a document that makes it easy for you to see what's happening, grab a link, jump in 
and sprinkle some love in your community. Um, so that's, that's just like a really high level look at like what a community manager is. Um, and I think, was there something else that we covered? What is community, community manager? Was there something well, else? I th- there was one question I wanted to ask you, which yeah. was online communities, Facebook groups, forums, things like that. For a lot of people, that's sort of native territory. But can you maybe give some examples of what an intentional community of like that might be? Like, so some specific examples like of yeah. clients or people I've worked with? If you like. Um, sure, but, definitely. But, um, so, well, for example, like the first community, so originally, so like rewind the clock, like probably like five years, I was teaching English in Madrid. So I was an ESL teacher and I was teaching in person, but then I moved South to live with my, my now husband. And so I started teaching online with them, which then made me want to teach for myself online and set up a business. And so when I was doing research for that, I discovered, um, Ramit Sethi. Okay, so if anybody has not heard of Ramit Sethi, he runs a company called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Sounds super scammy, but he actually is like personal finance, online business. Um, He's kind of in that online space. And so he was launching a program called Zero To Launch, which I then joined. And he had a coaching membership as well called Accelerator. And I wanted to go in, I wanted the support, and I wanted to be able to kind of go faster. And so I joined this membership. And it was a Facebook group and they had coaching. And I don't know what came over me, but I could not stop myself from helping other people. So I went in, I started like cheering people on, like editing people's copy, like creating documents to help people, like commenting and just basically doing what a community manager does, but I wasn't getting paid. Like this was just because I loved doing it. And long story short, they offered me a job, I think two months in. And so they brought me on as the community manager And then I was also working with them as a business coach for the same membership. And so that was like my first taste of like a membership community and being a community manager myself. And it's just, it's fascinating because a lot of people don't even realize that community managers exist. They just think, oh, I'll just get a VA to, you know, do a checklist of community related tasks. Um, which my, for myself, it's, it's kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Yes, it's, it's kind of like a Band-Aid, right? Because as your membership grows, you think, oh, well, I can't do this myself. I'll just delegate to a VA and, and then I have more time to myself. But you really want to have like a professional taking care of your community, especially with a membership, because the community is like the driver of retention. And so you want to keep people there and keep people happy. And so that's like the fundamental role of a community manager is boosting retention and, and keeping people happy. Um, so other examples, um, I would say probably the the biggest or well, most well-known that I know of is Carrie Green. So the Female Entrepreneur Association, they have um, the membership and there's 5,000 people in there. And wow. so they have, that's a Facebook group as well. Um what else? What else? There's so many um, examples. Like I know Chris Ducker has the Academy for Youpreneur. That is not on Facebook. That's actually like in a forum style setting. Um, like there's so many good examples. Like Mike and Callie as well, the membership guys, they yeah. have a membership for memberships. This super meta. Um, and they have, um, it's a community. It's like a forum built into their WordPress website. Um, And so it's just, it's so fascinating. Like you can just see like so many different examples and also the subject matter for memberships. So for example, like I have a client who helps coach Etsy shop sellers and she has a membership. Um, Obviously, for example, training people about memberships or business. Um, my, My latest client though, she has a membership teaching women how to paint door hangers. (laughs) and I first of all I didn't know what a door hanger was so I had to look it up and there's this like super sub niche of people that paint door hangers like they're these flat pieces of wood and you you paint different things like things for Valentine's Day or Christmas or just like welcoming and all these things and it's amazing there's like there's 750 people in this group wow (laughs) think about this people do the math like I can't actually remember how much it costs but imagine it's 40 bucks a month yeah, that's the thing. I think in the in the online space, it's a very, very big planet. There yeah. are billions of people, and some of them have some obscure interests in common. And building a community for those people is actually 
a great opportunity in lots of different ways. It just takes a little bit of creativity and time exploring actually what is it that you are interested in because there's a very good chance there are a lot of other people interested in that it's it's a very interesting time in online business for that very reason but a lot of people wing it and i think a lot of people wing it for too long yeah which is why when you see a site or a community i'm a member of a few online communities and when they do engage with an effective community manager it elevates the member experience a lot. 100%. And, and I think what's quite interesting with a lot of membership sites, especially in the entrepreneurial space, is people uh, join them either because they're very ambitious or they have a problem or they're in crisis. So you have people in that membership where the stakes are quite high. And I'm wondering what common problems your community managers or when you're managing those communities yourself in the past what are the common problems that you encounter oh my goodness such a good question um so i'd say that there's there's so many things that you know so when you're a community manager and you're really invested in it and you care about the people which i think honestly like you need to be if you're going to do your job right you need to actually care um about the people that are in the space um but the i think the number one issue is that um community managers we worry like about everything and so essentially um, what made me really good at my job, so when I was actually managing, for example, the accelerator community, when I was in it and doing the management myself, you, it's almost like the, you know, like minority report. So like Tom Cruise is like moving all these things around in your head and you're, you're looking at problems and you're looking at possible solutions. Like maybe there's three solutions that you could use, but then you're thinking, okay, if I do this, what will happen? And you're, you're thinking it's like the butterfly effect, right? And mm. you're trying to think you're thinking three steps ahead, right? To kind of mitigate risk in this sort of thing. And so I would say like the number one issue um, for community managers is um, actually setting boundaries for themselves. And I know this probably is not like the response that you're thinking, like you're thinking of like forward facing towards like situationals, but like for a community manager, what tends to happen is that they're always in there and they can't stop being in there because they feel like, oh, well, I have to catch everything right away. I have to be on it. I can't let things slip, this sort of thing. And so one of the things that I train community managers on is actually setting boundaries. And it applies to the host of the membership. It applies to the community manager, but then also for the members themselves and really setting expectations of like, okay, when will people be showing up? Like as a community manager, like, are you going to be in there on the weekends or do you respond right away? Which I highly recommend not doing because that sets the wrong expectation. It's like, oh, Diana will jump in or this person will jump in rather than like the community coming together and supporting each other. Um, so that would be the first thing, like just setting boundaries. Um, but in terms of like situational things that happen, I think obviously people breaking rules. I think that in the entrepreneurial space, the number one issue is self-promotion. And I think for me now, when I go in a community, it's a completely different experience than somebody that's just joining a community because it's a part of a program, because I'm looking at everything and I am so skeptical. I'm like, really? Hmm, there's a link here. Like, did you really have to have the link? Like what's going on? Oh, like you're, you're, you're taught, you're celebrating a win and you're talking about something, but it's actually veiled self-promotion. Like I'm so skeptical and like, I judge so many people. I'm like, Hmm, I don't know. Like, where's this coming from? So, um, yeah, like dealing with self-promotion, I think one of the best things you can do is a, you, well, that's, you need guidelines. First of all, a lot of people just kind of wing it and they say, Oh, like we're all adults here. You don't need to have guidelines and yes you do and <laughs> the the number one reason for that is you know as a community manager if you don't have guidelines in place people don't know what the rules are they don't know what's expected of them so they'll just do what they think is okay and it makes more work for you like you have to then tell someone oh actually we don't do that here or you know can you remove this link or don't tag this person blah 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 and so it makes more work for the the team and so by having these guidelines it's I sort of compare it to like a prenup I mean yeah. nothing bad's gonna happen and we love each other and everything's amazing but just in case like something goes wrong here are the here are the rules that I'm gonna send you to remind you that oh this is what's okay here um and that's the thing is like you most people won't read the guidelines 
because they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about getting started and introducing themselves and kind of getting that ball rolling. But then the community guidelines are for the community manager to reference later. So it saves them time when, you know, something bad is happening and they're like, oh my goodness, this person is doing something wrong. They can just drop a link, right? They can just send a private message or they can do it publicly. And it makes it so much easier, you know, to kind of keep the keep the peace, I guess. Um, and then I guess the other, like, so like just one more thing. There's so many I could talk for hours. Um, but the like one more thing I would say that people struggle with would be um, the balance between coaching and community. So this is another thing that people don't even realize is that as a community manager, if you are answering questions, you're actually coaching. Okay. And so, for example, when I was um, working with Accelerator, I was actually a coach and a community manager, which is like oil and vinegar because my job as a coach is to answer people's questions. But then my job as a community manager is to facilitate connection between members. And so in that case, coaching trumps, you know, community management because you have to answer the questions. And so, you know, when you're in a community or you have a community for yourself, um, this desire to answer questions, that's coaching, right? And so there's this, you want to make sure that as you're setting up kind of the foundation of your community, that you're separating the coaching from the community. So in your community, imagine you do want to answer questions and provide that sort of feedback. I would recommend having it either on a live call, getting people to submit questions, and maybe you do like a Facebook Live once a week, or you hop on a Zoom call once a week, so that the coaching is kind of separate. And then you really just establish the fact that the community is a space for the members to connect with each other. It's not like your soapbox for you to just go and be like, I'm amazing and I know everything. And you can ask me all your questions because when that happens, people stop looking at each other and they just stare at you. They don't care what anybody else thinks. They just want your answer. They want you to comment. So sure, that's great when you have 20 people. What about 500? What about 1,000? What about 5,000? Right. And so that's the thing is setting the expectation from day one that it's a space to connect with each other, not a space to get coaching from the host or from the community manager. I think I've seen that actually. I've, and I've, I've watched the transition in a couple of memberships I'm in where people were very hands on maybe a year or two ago, but they have slowly sort of delegated that first point of contact to community managers. And it, it's very effective. But what I wonder is, how important it is and there probably isn't one answer but how important it is for that community manager to really be an expert in that field because that's going to have an impact on the cost of that community manager yep so what's your experience around that okay this is so good because um what i would say is that as a community manager like i said it's not their job to answer questions it's not their job to coach so technically speaking, I would say that a community manager doesn't need to be an expert in the field of that topic. Now, there's an asterisk to that. If they know about it or if they're knowledgeable or they're kind of on a journey learning about it, then that's a good thing. So for example, perfect example is my client who has the Etsy shop coaching membership. Okay. So she has a community manager who actually used to be a member. So kind of the same situation as me. He was this amazing member. He was just doing all of these amazing things. And so she um, moved him into the role of community manager. So, but the thing is though, he was, he moved into community manager, but now he's transitioning into being a coach. Okay. And so she then realized, okay, we need to bring on somebody else to basically be the community manager. And the person that we that we brought on um, was um, somebody that they'd been working with before, but she does not have an Etsy shop. She does not have experience with that. And so that was the biggest concern or insecurity of that person themselves. They were like, I'm not an Etsy shop seller. Like I can't answer questions. I'm not gonna be able to do this. And so like, I think on day one of our training, I said, that is totally okay because your job is to be a human. Your job is to assess how people are feeling and make them feel certain emotions. Maybe it's um, feeling proud of themselves or accepted or supported. Um, that's actually something else a lot of people totally gloss over is you need to understand the emotional needs of your members. Because if you don't understand that, you can't be strategic at all with the community because emotion is the strategy when it comes to community. 
And so you reverse engineer that. And so for her, you know, she was really insecure about that point, but it actually, for me, it makes it easier because then you set the expectation like, Hey guys, I'm not an Etsy shop seller, but I'm here to support you, to connect you with the right information, to help, you know, the conversations flow, to like have fun and like let her personality come out. Um, So I would say that it can actually be an asset because it makes it easier to have that boundary of she's not a coach. She doesn't ask, like she doesn't answer questions. You have to go to this live or you need to go to this place over here to get, you know, questions answered. Um, But as a community manager, yeah, I would say, like, for example, like we're, we're looking to hire one right now for a client and, um, she, for example, with the door, the door hanger. So she doesn't paint door hangers. She used to be an art teacher though. So for me, I'm like, okay, she's creative. She's in that space, but I'm much more focused on assessing her as a whole in terms of the role. Um, which actually brings us back to those nine key points. So those assessment points that I mentioned really quick at the beginning, that yeah. I kind of rein myself in. Like, let's just really high level talk about that. Because like I said before, most people just think, oh, community manager, find somebody who's like really fun and engaging and empathetic. That's the tip of the iceberg. That's personality. That's key number three. Um, the first key is thought process. So when I actually um, do like a hiring process to find candidates, we have, you know, the typical things like, let's get your resume, your cover letter, but I actually create a, like an assignment. So there's eight questions usually, and they're pulled from the community. They're either real situations or they're fake ones that I create so I can see them in action. Like I want to see how they're going to handle it, how they're going to write, and also their thought process. So it's like, why are they handling this situation in the way they're handling it? just so I can get a better taste of like, okay, how does this person think and handle situations? Uh, key number two is writing skill because online, like 96 or 97% of the communication is in writing. Yes, they might have a Facebook Live, they might send videos or audios, but they need to be able to write in a way that really connects people and triggers emotion. Like you need to be a strong writer. That's probably the number one key, like after thought process. Uh, the third key, personality and connection so this is where it's like they're a cheerleader or they're empathetic or they just have a really friendly personality like I got a couple nicknames so when I was um, managing the community for accelerator people were calling me the empathy ninja and then also the mother hen so like you can get a feel right so it's like oh like the mother hen energy in a very masculine very like no bs sort of environment because that's the like if you guys know Ramit Sethi like that's the kind of vibe of the company and that was the vibe of this membership and then I came in and sort of brought this friendly silly mother hen permission to be yourself energy which people loved so like personality is super important uh number four tech savvy like can this person work in a Facebook group can they reply in like a a threaded reply Can they use Google Docs and share it properly so people can actually go in? Like all these different things like Zoom, all these different pieces of technology that, you know, they're going to need to use on a daily basis. Number five, succinct communication, right? So can this person be very direct in writing and also with speaking? And the reason I look at this, this is not really forward facing for the membership. It's more for the the host and the team behind the scenes because there is nothing worse than having somebody that will send you like five page emails when they could have sent it in like a paragraph right so like i have a couple of clients like that right it's the worst it's like dude and i this has been sort of burnt into me from working with ramit Sethi. like this is like he his team is just absolutely amazing in making it so when you send an email or a message you do the heavy lifting you do the work so that the other person has to just say yes or no So you provide context, you provide all the links they need. You are very proactive. And so that's one of the things I look for. Like I want to find a community manager that makes less work for you and your team. Like that's one of my big goals. So it's like looking at how they communicate. And we do that obviously in writing through the application, but also during their interview, because we ask very strategic questions during the interview. And it's, it's almost like a podcast. You, you don't stop them. You just let them talk. So can they be succinct and can they just answer the questions, you know? So that's super important. Um, I think number six, this is one of the biggest things that people don't even think about, but availability 
and future growth. So a lot of times what will happen is when you find a unicorn or somebody that's amazing at what they do, they have another gig Okay, so they have uh, like their own business or they they're trying to set something up or they're trying to do something else. And you have to be very careful so that you actually hire someone that can grow with you and that doesn't have kind of other priorities because you don't want them to go away from you. You want them to kind of grow with you and be with you long term, especially like if you're investing good money, like training them and bringing them into your team. And it's a community manager. It's it's one of those forward-facing positions. So for example, if you have a membership of 500 people, they're going to basically fall in love with this person because that person's going to take care of them and become a part of their life. And so when they leave, because some like people leave, right? And so if they leave, it can be really hard to then find a replacement that your members will actually accept and like kind of welcome in. So that's the thing, trying to find somebody that's like long-term future growth. And that's actually the number seven is long-term commitment. So it's not that somebody's interested in, you know, like six months or three months. Like we're talking like two years minimum or more, which is very difficult online. It's hard to find somebody that's looking to commit for that long. Um, Number eight, organization skills and schedule. This is something, again, behind the scenes, making sure that they can set boundaries and create a schedule so that they're not just mindlessly scrolling and being reactionary. They're actually being strategic. Like right now I'm creating content. Right now I'm creating, you know, an email to send to my, to the host to let them know what's going on in the community. Um, you know, managing and just scrolling, making sure that, you know, all of the, the rules are being followed, enforcing guidelines, sprinkling in some comments, like really time blocking and creating that schedule. Um, and then number nine, punctuality. And it's so funny, like literally it's just like, when does this person arrive for the live interview? And I've had people that arrive five minutes early. I've had people arrive late or like bang on. And so like punctuality, it's a small thing, but imagine if behind the scenes you have a team call and this person is always late. That drives me nuts. So it's again, like it's a very holistic assessment of a person for the role. So it's not just, you know, are they empathetic and a cheerleader? It's like, are they going to really support you with your business and with your membership like now and into the future? And I think that support is key. If you are making that investment in a community manager, you can't afford to get that wrong because if you get it wrong, your whole community sees it. Exactly. Well, the damage can last, I imagine, for many years. Yep. It's the thing like people get, this is the thing like people and it's, I think this is why sometimes people are a little bit scared about having like a very um, prominent community manager, like a person that's like a member of the team, like they're out there because they are forward facing. People get attached. We're human. And this is the thing. I think, you know, I'm like everything that I do, I'm very specific with community management, like training and hiring community managers, but like I'm in the business of human connection. And it's, you know, in writing, it's in video, it's how you express yourself in different situations. And the thing is, is with a community, people are struggling, they have a problem, and then you have this person that just makes them feel so supported. Um, Like I have like a perfect example was, um, so Stu McLaren, so he um, created the program called Tribe. So that's actually for memberships as well. And um, he has another membership called Connect. And what was it? The community. So I actually, so fun story. What was it? Last June, I completely burnt out. I just hit a wall. I was, I could not do anything. And I thought I needed a vacation for a month. I ended up not working for five months, just about five months, like literally could not sit in front of a computer. It's the weirdest, most horrible situation I've ever experienced, but it was definitely needed to kind of reassess the work that I was doing. I was kind mm. of, I was doing way too much and I wasn't focused. And so when I came back from this, I remember that Renelle, the community manager, she sent me a message. And I think it was about a month or two in. And it was um, it was just literally a message saying, hey, Diana, like I've noticed you haven't been in the community recently. And I just wanted to see if you're OK. And even just saying that right now, I have goosebumps because it yeah. makes you feel like, oh, my God, like they care. They notice if I'm there or not. 
And it just opened up this beautiful conversation of like, you know, thank you so much. Like, I'm just having a rough time right now. You know, how can I get the most from this? You know, and it was just, it was a beautiful thing. And it literally took maybe two minutes from her. And here's the thing too, like, let's be strategic. Take a little bit of the emotion out of that. She might just have a template that says, you know, put in the name here. Hey, I've noticed you haven't been in her a while. And maybe she has like tracking or data that says, hey, this person hasn't been in the community for a month. You should message them. Right. So it can be very like this is the thing. It's like when you kind of like go behind the scenes, a lot of this is very like there's strategies, there's systems. It's very strategic. But when it's on the other side, if you do it well, it does not feel like that. It feels authentic. It feels real. And again, it's all about that human connection, like making somebody feel seen, heard, accepted, you know, all of those things that honestly, I think in today's world, like we're all kind of starved for that human connection. I think something I'd like to maybe move on to, because you've painted the picture of, of the ideal situation there. And there's two places I want to go. One is, okay, what does a car crash look like? And the <laughs> other is who should, shouldn't start a membership online community. But maybe if we start with, okay, who is maybe ripe for launching some kind of online community? And then we can talk about when it all goes wrong afterwards and we can have a laugh at other people's expense. Oh my goodness. Okay, so this is fantastic. So with community, so first of all, like I'm just going to be very clear, like I really don't like free Facebook groups. So um, to me, because the way I look at community, it's about fostering connection and supporting people who have invested money with you, right? Whereas with free Facebook groups, it's a lead generation tool to sell people. And so I don't know what it is about my brain. I just can't wrap my head around. It feels very, it just feels not nice. It's kind of exploiting community. Um, so some people do that. That's great. I, I don't like that. Um, but the thing that I notice, so for example, there are people that do free Facebook groups and they do them beautifully, right? They actually offer value. They help people. They move forward. Um, and then they pitch, which is fine. But um, actually recently I, I joined somebody's free Facebook group and I walked in. And so this is the experience I had. It literally was like I joined the group and the first po post I saw was recommending to join somebody else's program. And I was like, oh, okay uh scroll a little bit like i like because for me i'm like looking for what's this place all about where can i introduce myself like pretty standard things and as i was scrolling like it was just post after post of promoting themselves promoting other people join us you know be a part of the family but with a price tag it was just so like it was just gross like it was just like yeah. Like it, like the the way i wrote an email to my list and i think i described it as like being in the line at starbucks and like seeing somebody and then suddenly being married with like three kids and you just jump <laughs> like, whoa, like I made eye contact with you and now we're like retired on a porch and we have, you know, like it's just like, <laughs> what is going on? So I feel like there is this like people sometimes just don't get um, what goes into community. Um, and so now, for example, though, imagine if somebody has a course or they have a membership and they're like, OK. I understand that I need to have a community to boost retention. If you're only looking at it in terms of numbers, you probably shouldn't do it because not only will it not be rewarding for you, it's going to be massively draining because it's way more work than you think it is. And so like this, this idea of, okay, I'm just going to, I'll just set this group up and it'll go with the course. It'll go with the membership. People can quote unquote engage and everything will just, you know, if you build it, they will come, you know, feel the dreams. And it just really, it does not work that way. And it creates a bad experience for your, your clients. It's like, you're basically sending the message that we're not worth investing the time in. Like we're not worth having boundaries. We're not worth, you know, having you show up here. And like, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And so and I've seen it. I mean, actually, it's really funny, too, because a lot of my students, so students that have, that were in the accelerator program or people that are in communities that I've sort of touched. So if I've helped um, businesses kind of optimize their group, um, people reach out to me and they say, Diana, I thought that all communities were like your communities. <laughs> and then they go into someone else's and they're just like, what 
like oh my god like no like just so disorganized no rules like a pitch fest everyone's promoting themselves nobody cares about anybody else the the host isn't there there's nobody actually it's like just basically like putting kids in a room and just letting them do whatever they want like no <laughs> boundaries like oh, climbing up the walls and you know it just it I think that just that alone having people reach out to me and say like hey like your communities are amazing like you create this space that allows us to focus on not only the goals and what we're dealing with but also each other like and connect and have fun and like make friends like that really is the essence of it so I mean yeah like in terms of those car crashes it's just it's I think it's one of those disappointing situations where somebody is just like you know, this strategy says I have to have a Facebook group, so I'm just going to do that. And then they check it off their list. And like for me, community is so much more than that. And it's just really, it. yes, it is a time investment. Yes, like hiring somebody to, to manage it is a constant, you know, cost. But the benefits of it, I think are so, like you can't even, you can't really measure them because A, it's retention. B, it's product research. So for example, when you get people really comfortable in there, they start talking about their problems or what they want to get help with. You can potentially do customer research. It's an amazing way to get testimonials and do case studies with your with your clients because you can see what's happening and then reach out to them and say, hey, we'd love to feature you. Can we hop on a call? Like there's there's just so many benefits that it really, for me at least, it really outweighs the cost of, you know, having somebody managing it and taking care of it for you. And I guess sort of to, to push the question a little bit, who should start a membership site? Oh, okay. Um, this is really interesting because I think that you have to be somebody that has boundaries. So even for myself, here's, here's the deal with me. I love helping people. And I find it very difficult to not help people. So like the coach in me wants to jump in and answer questions. And so, for example, I hosted, um, what was it? I was doing a beta for a training program to train community managers. And I had a Mighty Networks group, like a community that went with it. And after the first week, I had to write a post and laugh because I said, hey, guys, so I realized that this is a coaching platform. It's not a community (laughs) because they just wanted to ask me questions. They were like, oh, like, can you answer this? Can you do this? And and it was interesting because they didn't need a community because this is the thing like spoiler alert. Not every program, not everything you have has to have a community. Right. So even with a membership, you might have a membership where people just literally want to get a PDF each month or maybe it's just like a live coaching call each month and that's it and that like that's okay um but in terms of like people and like trying to assess yourself like should I have a membership and like a membership community number one is making sure you have boundaries so can you stop yourself from coaching because if you start coaching in your membership so imagine like the ecosystem of your business if you offer one-on-one coaching or group coaching which is quite expensive, and then you have a cheaper uh, membership, people will start to think, like if you're jumping in and answering all the questions all the time, people are going to think, well, why would I why would I sign up for group coaching or this one-on-one when she's always jumping in and answering the questions in the, in the membership? I'm just going to have the membership, right? So you have to be very careful. And I've seen many membership owners close their membership for exactly this reason, because they could not kind of create that boundary for themselves and it basically um it cannibalized their other offers right and so you need to make sure that you're not going to kind of go buck wild and start coaching in, in your membership um and i would say the second thing as well is like figuring out if that's actually what your people need like i definitely i love the business model of a membership right the like it's recurring income and you get to like really love on your members and I'm, I'm definitely a, an advocate for it but I do feel like in some cases like in some niches people don't need that they need a course or they need maybe a mastermind or maybe they need something else that's going to give them like the result that they're looking for so I would say asking yourself like is this the best way for them to get results because again it's about 
the human in this equation. It's not about the numbers. It's not about, you know, doing the math. It's about, hey, this person has a problem. They want to solve it. I can help them solve it. What's going to be the best way? And like, maybe you have options. Maybe it is one-on-one. Maybe it is coaching. Um, Maybe it is a membership. But just making sure that you can um, really separate those and not have the membership kind of eat away at your other offers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a really, really good answer. I think what I'd like to talk about next is you spoke about the unicorn community manager. Yeah. And the reality is you are in a super niche. Like it's a very, very small niche. And your ideal customer is already a unicorn business owner. So I'm curious to explore with you, what is your own marketing look like? How do you go about connecting with these ideal customers? Because I imagine they're all over the world. They're very, very busy people. So how do you cross that bridge so they know about you? This is such a good question. And especially for right now, because so like I said before, Um, I was marketing myself as sort of like community, um, help you build your community, set up your community, engage your community, this sort of thing. And, um, and I realized, so after I burnt out, I realized that really what I love is I love coaching like community managers. I love training them, but I also like finding them for clients. And so I'm in this new space where I'm literally like, I've got like this new positioning, but the world doesn't know it yet. And so it's this kind of this uncomfortable space of, okay, like I've pivoted, I've changed, everything is set up and this is the work that I'm doing, but the world is still under the impression that I'm doing what I was doing before, like six months ago. And so my plan actually, and it's funny because I've been working on this. I've been kind of like sitting with my bullet journal and just really jamming on like, what's the best for my clients, like these ideal clients, but also what is the most fun for me? Because I've realized that in the past, I've done things sometimes because I thought that they were what I was supposed to be doing, but they were so heavy. And so um, looking at my past history, one of the best things I've done is writing ultimate guides. So I actually have two ultimate guides. So from the past, I've got the ultimate guide to building an online community, a profitable online community, and then also the ultimate guide to engaging community members. And it's like my beefy guide that basically downloads my brain on everything that you need to know on building and engaging a community, a paid community. So not a free Facebook group, but a a paid course or membership group. And so I did that. And what I found, what was fascinating is that people would read my guide. It would be so beefy and it would make them realize, oh my gosh, this is a lot of work. And they would just reach out to me and they say, hey, can you help me build this? Or can you work with me and coach me on building this or engaging my community or this sort of thing? And it was perfect. It was, it basically brings awareness, but people at that level, they just didn't have the time or didn't want to do it themselves. So they would pay me to do it. And so, um, what I plan to do moving forward is I'm going to write the ultimate guide to hiring a community manager, a unicorn community manager, but I'm also going to write more ultimate guides. So for example, like the ultimate guide to training a community manager, you know, the ultimate guide to down the line, I want to branch out because like you said, I'm super niche right now. And that makes me really uncomfortable, but I feel like it's the right step for right now to just be very focused. But as I sort of create that content and move outwards, you know, I want to create ultimate guides, for example, like the ultimate guide to setting up a pop-up Facebook group to launch. So that's the only exception, right? So before I was saying like, I don't like free Facebook groups. The only exception is a pop-up group because a pop-up group, if you've never heard of that, that is a group that you create and it's live and you use it for say three weeks and you offer massive value, then you launch your product. And then when you're finished launching, you close the group. You don't keep it open forever. It's not like this. It's not lead generation forever and ongoing and never ending. It's for a specific time period. And actually, right now, my good friend Gladys Atto, she's a leadership expert, and she is doing that right now. So she's had a three-day live event she just opened her cart for her story mentory program and now she's getting on calls with people to see if they're a good fit. And this community, like she just creates space for people to explore their story. And so that's the only type of free Facebook group that I would ever want to touch. So for example, for me, I'm like, okay, ultimate guide to that. And then even previous clients, they've said, what about, um, 
you know, building a Facebook or building a Facebook group from scratch for your course. And in my head, I'm like, mm, I'm not sure that I really want to do that because people don't care. Usually at that point, they're kind of like, whatever, I'll just set up myself. But I think down the line, there's so many different places that I can touch on. And I would say that's probably my number one strategy, ultimate guides. I'd say the second one is podcast interviews like this. I love, <laughs> I love talking with people and just jamming about community. And I think it's, it's an easy, like it's a, it's the perfect way to give people a taste of what I'm like. Like this is 100% me. Like when I'm on a call, if I'm doing any sort of coaching or any work with people, like this is me. Like I, like I probably actually, I swear a little bit more. I'm just sort of, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I if know you... I've been waiting for it and it hasn't <laughs> happened. Oh, I know. I was just so funny because I had this moment halfway through. I was like, wait a second. I'm not sure if swearing is okay. So I'm just going to make it like nice and <laughs> like, oh, I can drop the F-bomb. <laughs> Do we have the green light for some swearing? A colorful language. Um, <laughs> that would be the only difference, really. I would be probably dropping F-bombs and whatnot. Um, <laughs> probably a little bit more. Um, but I feel like like finding a couple ways that you just really love in order to pro and just really focusing on that. Like, um, I'm also getting into Instagram a little bit. Like I love Instagram stories. They're just so much fun. And actually like, we're going to, I have a couple for today. So like, just, I know I can't wait. Right. Like I, I, what was it before this podcast I was doing, I don't know what I was doing. I was like strutting around my kitchen. I was like, I'm going to record this. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> a pre podcast strut around my kitchen. And I think that's really the key. Like a lot of my good friends who are very successful business owners, like they just keep saying like, have fun find what is fun because you'll do it like it's easy so like for me it's I like writing ultimate guides I like for example like maybe even hosting webinars like I think I love coaching I love answering questions like if you sit me in a room with people and just throw questions at me I I could do that for hours and um actually that was what um happened a little bit at Mike and Callie's event retain live and so I spoke, that was like the first time that I spoke actually, which I was really proud of because I got really good reviews, but I spoke there, but then there was a panel afterwards. And so people would just line up at the microphone and ask questions. I could do that all day, every day. <laughs> I love answering questions. Like, and you know, when you're asking questions, my brain is just like, you know, exploding, like, oh, like so many good like things that I want to share. And so, yeah, I think that's the key in terms of promoting yourself, getting your message out there, um, find something that works. And, and also if you're doing something and it's not really working, be okay with stopping it. So for example, I started a podcast a while back and I paused it after probably, I don't even remember, it's probably embarrassing, like five episodes or six episodes because I did not have a good system in place for the back end. Yeah. And so I was like, this is not the best use of my time. In the future, do I want to have a podcast? Hell yes, I do. Because I love this. I love talking to amazing people and just learning from, you know, their specific set of skills and experiences. Um, but right now, it doesn't make sense. So for me, it's like writing ultimate guides, doing trainings, doing podcast interviews. Um, I've also actually one thing that's really great as well is being a guest expert. So I've hosted a couple like um, workshops. So I've hosted, actually, I just recorded one for the Youpreneur Academy. So that's, I think, coming out in May. Mm. Um, and then I've done some for some smaller mastermind groups, one for digital marketer, one for teachable. So like pitching yourself and really putting yourself out there for media. So this is another thing as well, like really being comfortable with putting yourself out there and just yeah, like making sure that you can get your message in front of the right people. I think I would like to come back to that topic on another podcast interview with you because that's one area that I know a lot of people would like to go deep on. But we've probably come to the end of our time now. <laughs> Definitely. And I, would and I genuinely mean, back. I would like to, you're the person I would like to speak about that with because I know you've done a lot of work there and it's been successful. But for now, we would probably need to wrap things up. Definitely. I would love to jam about that. And I actually do have a secret weapon, so I can talk about that too. And I love secret weapons. They're my favorite thing. <laughs> so Diana, I'm going to ask you the same question that I ask every guest or have asked every guest for the last five episodes or so. I'm trying okay. to get properly organized and remember to ask this question every time. But what's one thing you do now that you wish had started five years ago? Oh, that's such a good question. 
I'm going to, oh my gosh, there's so many different things I want to say. I would say the number one thing would be niching down. Because when I first started, I was like, community for everyone and anyone. And you just get lost in a sea of everybody out there. And like, I couldn't really get traction. And it was really demoralizing, you know, so you're trying, you know, that you have something special that's like inside of you and you can't get like that validation of yes like people are throwing money at you or people are getting value from your programs like I didn't have focus and so it was very hard to move forward and so like I said after I burnt out in June I'm I'm super niche right now and it just while it scares me because I think oh my gosh like super niche like I'm cutting out all of these other people and like people will reach out and say oh can you help me with this and I'm like actually I don't do that anymore so like turning people away it's a little bit scary yeah but having that niched down focus makes everything so much easier and I really wish that I'd done that right from the get-go just giving myself permission to focus on like one person one type of person one situation and then give myself permission to grow after that. That's a great answer. And Diana, if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Um, they can come on over to dianatower.com. And that's where I said, so I've got my ultimate guides there. And also, if you are looking to hire a unicorn community manager, I do have a form on my homepage. So you can share some more context on your membership and your business. And um, I can take a look and we can hop on a call. Diana, you've been a great guest. I've had great fun. Thank you very much for your time. I can't wait to speak to you again. Yay. Thank you so much. I'm super excited. We'll have to book in for the next one because I can like, again, like with promotion and getting media and publicity, like that's such a huge part of how I've gotten to where I am right now, but also transitioning and changing my niche. It's been so helpful. I can't wait to speak to you about that. See you soon. See you. Everyone has an online community of some kind, whether it's just your friends on Facebook or Instagram, a Facebook group or a full-on paid membership community. How you make your people feel is such an important thing to think about. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. And yeah, I feel a little awkward about that after speaking to Diana. You can find the link in the show notes or just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can follow me or connect with me everywhere you hang out. You'll just find me at Bob Gentle. If you do, then message me and let me know so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach new subscribers. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Diana for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. And see you next week.